everyone. You're listening to Ed Young Radio, Ed Pastors Fellowship Church, and we want to thank you for listening with us. These next few minutes together can change your life, and you can always hear more by visiting edyoung.com. Enjoy the message. Sometimes I look back on my life and think about things I've quit before. Have you ever done that? I have regrets over things I've stopped or things I've just said, okay, I'm done. Maybe you're here and you're like, okay, I shouldn't have quit the team or I shouldn't have quit the business or maybe I shouldn't have quit in this marriage or I I shouldn't have quit this or that. I think all of us would go, there's some things I regret having quit. Well, one of the most significant things, I guess one of the biggest regrets I've ever had about quitting something happened when I was 16 years old. And, And I would love to tell you what happened, but my father can do a better job. Watch this. Those of you who are parents and have had the privilege of celebrating the 16th birthday of one of your kids, you know it's a very pivotal moment for many reasons, but primarily that's the time, in South Carolina at least, when someone could get their driver's license. And Ed looked forward to a lot of things about turning 16, but more than anything else, now he could drive a car. So we let him go out the first time with his new license. He went on a date with a very fine, terrific young gal by the name of Lisa. And he went over to Lisa's home. He was supposed to be back before it got dark, but guess what? He wasn't back in time, and so that was the first trauma. It's dark, Ed's not back, it's the first time he's been out with a car, so we went through that first emotional experience until finally we settled in and Ed, we felt, was a good driver, a safe driver, took responsibility, and we sort of stopped praying as hard and worrying about him as much, and he began to talk about getting a car. Wouldn't it be great, Dad, if I had a car to go to school next year? Wouldn't it be great, Mom, if if I were able to go where I want to go without having to borrow your car? And so that's the way the sales process commenced. Until finally, about in May, uh, we bought a car for Ed, and uh, we had it ready with the keys all prepared. But I thought I'd put a little incentive there. Ed was a good student when he wanted to study and got interested in something. He just went to the top. But if it didn't attract him and he wasn't interested, he just sort of showed up in class. Uh, Most of us are like that, unfortunately. And Ed was like that. And with his interest in basketball and so many friends and activities, sort of academics was at the second place or third place or fourth place down the line. And so I thought, you know, before we give him the car, I'm going to put a little challenge there. So I bought a book entitled The Raven. As most of you know, it's a biography of Sam Houston. It's a short book, easy read. I didn't get him war and peace or anything like that. And I said, Ed, read The Raven. I want you to do that for me next couple of weeks. This was in, uh, toward the end of school in May. He said, okay, Dad. He said, what about my car? I said, we're looking at it. Now, mind you, we'd already bought the car. We had the keys. We were just waiting. And I wrote in the book, The Raven, about, oh, four pages from the back. Dear Ed, when you get to this point, call your mom or myself. We'll give you the keys to the car we purchased for you. Love, Dad. Now, he began to read that sometime around the end of May. 
And all through the summer, he says, am I going to get a car? We said, well, we're looking at it. How are you coming with reading the Raven? Oh, I've already moved through. I'm, I'm in the third chapter. And so this went on virtually all summer long. I'd ask him, have you read the Raven? Have you been? I, I, I'm halfway through, Dad. I, I really, I'm really enjoying it. And so finally, we get to a week or so before school began in the fall. Now we're in the latter part of August. And Ed says, are you going to get me a car so I can go to school? I said, son, did you finish reading the Raven? He said, no, I'm toward the end. I said, go get the book and bring it to me. So he went to his room, brought down the book, and there it said, dear son, when you get to this point, your car is ready. And he looked, he said, do I have a car? I said, yes. And I said, remember I told you in the end of May to read this book? I said, if you had read the book like I asked you to do in the first three or four days there, you would have had wheels all summer long. And I gave him the keys, and he nodded. And I think that was a wonderful moment of teaching for a very terrific 16-year-old guy. That's still painful to hear. So kids, here's the lesson. In your teenage years, if your parents go, hey, read this book. Read the book. And I still have animosity towards Sam Houston today. I know they moved that demonic statue, but every time I would drive by that thing, I would think really bad thoughts. What is it that you've quit before? I wanna to talk to you today about the opposite of quitting. I wanna to talk to you about committing. Say it with me, committing. Say it with me, committing. Hey kids, commitment is so, so vital. It's so, so important. And you see in your hand a coloring book. I love to color, I don't know about you, but I enjoy it. God's a God of creativity, God's a God of color, so while I'm talking, go ahead and color your life away. And color this, this coloring book about a man we're gonna talk about who knew a lot about not quitting. His name was Noah. We've already heard about him already. Noah, say Noah with me, Noah. You gotta say no to say Noah. He was like, no, I'm not gonna quit. No, no, I'm not quitting, I'm staying with it. What does it mean to stay with something? And more importantly, what should I commit to? Well, here's what was going on. Back in the day, I'm talking about a long, long time ago. Let's rewind. All the way back, 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 back. Almost to the beginning of time, mankind had pretty much quit on God. We're made in the image of God. We're one of a kind, you're unique, I'm unique, yet man had quit on God. And it made God sad. So I want you to write this down in your coloring book. Man's bad made God sad. Say it with me. Man's bad made God sad. Man had quit on God and it hurt the heart of God. Yet God saw somebody. God always looks for a mulligan. God always looks for grace. God always looks to give someone a second chance. God always looks for people who are committed to him. God looked and found someone named, let's say it, Noah. Noah. So here's the second thing I want you to fill in. People's sin was so insane God had to 
make it rain. I want everyone, whether you're in Miami, downtown Dallas, Fort Worth, all the kids and adults, just, 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 just snap your fingers. Listen to this. Listen to this. Keep going, keep going. That's what Noah heard. Keep going. That's what the people heard. And they had never seen rain before. They had never seen a boat before. They had never seen this play out before. God said the sin of man was so insane. I'm gonna have to make it rain. God is a God of judgment. For example, mom and dad, when your kids sometimes disobey, you might say something like, you know what, I love you too much and God loves you too much to allow you to get away with this behavior. God gave people chance after chance after chance after chance after chance after chance after chance, yet they quit on God. While they quit on God, the Bible says God was looking around for someone who could be a difference maker, someone who could step up, someone who could do something unique. And I wanna stop and tell you that. As a child, you have an amazing future. You have an incredible purpose. You're uniquely made in the image of God. You have a unique walk, talk, laugh, sense of humor. God has placed that in your life. And God is looking, like he was looking back in the day, for someone to be a difference maker. And here's what's unbelievable. There was only one guy on the entire planet, walking with God, take a wild guess at what his name was. Noah. Noah said, no, I'm not gonna quit. I'm gonna commit. So don't quit, commit. Say that with me. Don't quit, commit. But the question that begs to be answered is, okay, don't quit, commit, that sounds good. Well, what do I commit to? Well, here's the big overarching idea. You commit and I commit to the things that God has committed to. In other words, you put your commitment, I put my commitment on the commitment that God has given you and given me because God has equipped us. We have the equipment for commitment. What? That's right, let me say it again. We have the equipment for commitment. What's the equipment? Faith. Faith is a gift from God. Trust. The ability to walk. So check out what the Bible says, kids. And listen, let's read this together. Genesis chapter six, verse eight. But, no, wait a minute, that's, that, that's you and me reading together. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. So man's bad made God sad. People's sin was so insane, God had to make it rain. Noah, though, found favor in the eyes of God. Found favor. This is the first time the concept of grace is mentioned in Scripture. What is grace? Grace is unmerited favor. Something that 
I don't deserve or you don't deserve. God loves you and me so much. He sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for our sins, to rise again. He offers us eternal life. We have the equipment for commitment, and that equipment is the capacity, the potential, the opportunity to say, okay, Jesus, I give my life to you. So that's what was going on. God was looking for grace. He's looking to find favor. Even though the judgment was coming, God is a patient God. Isn't that good? Say patience with me. Patience. Adults, how long did you test the patience of God? I asked myself that same question. God is patient with you. He's patient with me. God is always looking for grace, but God does in this context, and he will one day judge the world. They had never seen rain. They'd never seen a flood. And God tells Noah to do something weird. Would you say that with me? Weird. Yeah, weird. God said this, you'll need a float, so build a big boat. Uh, uh, God didn't say, hey, build a canoe, my man, Noah. Build a ski boat. How about a bass boat? I would like that. No. God said, Noah, build a uh, a boat. Now that's weird. That's strange. Noah had never seen a boat before. He was at least 100 miles away from the ocean. He'd never seen rain before. Never seen a flood before. Yet, he had the equipment for commitment. He trusted God. And I love Genesis chapter six, verse nine. Let's read it together. That means you and me. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked with God. When you walk with someone, you can have a conversation with someone. When you walk with someone, you're concentrating on them. When you walk with someone, there's no distractions, you're laughing, you're listening, you're conversing. Are you walking with God? Because when you walk with God, God walks with you. So those of us who walk with God, we walk to church while God is walking with us amongst people who are walking with God. You, you can't run with God because when you run, I don't know about you, maybe you're an Olympic athlete, you can't really have a meaningful conversation. We walk around God, we sometimes walk behind God, and oh, I wanna get in front of you, God, I know what's best for me. No, no, no. Noah walked with God. And because he walked with God, he recognized God's voice. Hey kids, you ever take walks with your mom? Oh yeah, you have. Have you ever taken walks with your dad? You're like, oh yeah, 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 all the time. You know their voice. When I was uh, growing up, 
eight, nine, 10 years of age, I had a couple of friends. One was named Robert, another Gary, and another Mike. It was back in the day, kids, where we actually played outside. That's right, back in the day, we went outside. <laughs> and I remember during the, during the summer, as the sun would set, invariably you would have the calls from the different parents. Robert's mom would call Robert like this, she had a booming voice. Robert, come home. She would almost sing it. And I grew up in the mountains of Western North Carolina, her voice echoing off the mountains. And when Robert heard his mom, I'm telling you, she was tough. He would turn and sprint home. There was no, let me wait for a second or third time, when she said, Robert, he was gone. My other friend, Gary, his dad was massive. I mean, the size of one of the Cowboys, I don't know, offensive tackles. He would just kind of walk up to us, kind of in the distance, he'd just go, Gary. And you know Gary would turn and run. Gary was one of those kids that sweated all the time. I've never seen a child sweat, a child, as much as Gary Ford. Anyway, it's another subject. And then Mike Harkins, my friend Mike Harkins, his dad was like rail thin, smoked those camel filters, and, and, and you could see kind of the, the, the cloud behind him, and he would, he would kind of lean over and go, my, sir, come on home now. And Mike would run home. What was going on? I'll tell you what was going on. We were listening and responding to our parents' voices. We walked with them so much, we knew them so well, we heard their voice and we did what they said. That's what Noah did. Hey, God said, hey Noah, it's gonna rain. And I want you to build a boat. One and a half football fields long. Four stories tall. Build a boat. And Noah was like, well, can I YouTube it? Uh, maybe I can go to Home Depot and do a DIY thing. No, 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 no. Noah utilized probably hundreds of people in this advanced culture to help him build the ark. It took him 120 years. You're like, get out of town, Ed, you believe that? I mean, you're, you're an educated guy, you got your masters and you've done doctrinal work, you, you believe that? Yes, I believe that. Because the Bible says there was a mist, a veil, that covered the earth during this time, so took out a lot of the harmful pollutants and things that we deal with and talked to any biologist or scientist. Our bodies are made to live longer. Plus, you gotta realize sin had just entered the human equation and, 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 and things were just starting to spiral downward. People lived longer back then. So Noah took 120 years to build the ark. Now, I don't know about you, but after about 30 years, I'm like, I'm done. I 
quit. Think about the ridicule of Noah. What are you doing? Noah, you're stupid, man. You're an idiot. So what, what, what is this? What is this thing anyway? Yet Noah, the Bible says, was a preacher of righteousness. And he only had a three-word message, a three-word sermon. It will flood. <laughs> Say that again. Let me hear that sermon again. It will flood. And that was pretty much it. And the Bible also says the ark was made of gopher wood. When, when he would use his chainsaw, to cut down gopher wood, the Bible says he did it in reverence. In other words, he understood that work was given to him as an act of worship. I love that. So he's an evangelist, he's a preacher, he's working, he's worshiping, he's, he's a yacht builder. Uh, God says, build the boat and I'm gonna take care of you. I love it that he didn't give Noah all the details. Have you noticed that about walking with God? Many times I look back in my life and God has led me somewhere or, or told me to do something, not audibly, but through a scripture, through maybe an event or a situation, yet he, he doesn't always give me, he doesn't always give you the details. I think about how our church began in Irving, Texas, in a little office complex. That, that was pretty much all the details we had. Do we move to a high school? I don't know. Do we move out to Grapevine and then start all these campuses? I don't know. I don't know about the details. I just trust God. I feel the same way. <laughs> so Noah's family and his zoo were all aboard for God's rescue. God said, Noah, build the boat. Noah, get in the boat. And then the Bible says that God caused all the animals to get into the boat. There was just one door on the ark and well, the floods were coming and all of a sudden they, they began to feel raindrops and Mr. Lion said to Miss Lion, let's go. Mr. Elephant said to Mrs. Elephant, let's go. Mr. Monkey said to Mrs. Monkey, let's go. So supernaturally, unbelievably, mysteriously, they cruised into the ark. The floodwaters came. Noah and his family were saved. Let's clap. They were saved. It took 120 years to build the boat. Why 120 years? Because that's about someone's lifespan. If they have great genetics and, and are, are, are vegan, right? The commitment of Noah. He crashed through quitting points. Also, think about this, 120 years just to build the boat, it shows the patience of God. God still was wanting scores and scores of people to turn to him, but 
Again, we have the equipment for commitment. The whole world, other than Noah, quit. So Noah and his family were saved, and once the earth was dry, God placed a rainbow in the sky. Hey kids, turn over on the last page as I talk about the last thing. See this? The rainbow and the cross. Let's say it together, God of the rescue. Say it, God of the rescue. The Bible says in the New Testament that the ark, the boat, is like the cross of Jesus. Both the ark and the cross were made of wood. Both the ark and the cross had a sealant. The Bible says when, when Noah was making the, the ark, he used pitch. And the word pitch in the New Testament refers to the atonement of Jesus, the blood that seals us for eternity. There was only one door to enter the ark. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the door. The cross saves us from the judgment of our sins because of God's grace, just like Noah and his family were saved. Don't quit, commit. Say it with me again, don't quit, commit. Because God is looking, young people, for another Noah, another boy, another girl, for a life-changing, life-altering assignment that can change the course of history. Why don't you surrender and say, I'm ready to climb aboard your ark. Let's bow for prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this wonderful time together. Thank you for your grace, thank you for your love. And if you're here and you've never ever asked Jesus Christ to come into your life, I don't care if you're eight years old or 80, you can say this prayer with me. Just simply say this after me, dear God, I admit to you that I've done things wrong, that I'm a sinner. I believe, God, that you sent Jesus to die on the cross for my sins, to rise again. And right now, I ask you, Jesus Christ, to come into my life. I give my life to you. I know today Lord, that I started on this walk. I took the first step with this walk. And many of us have taken other steps. But I'm here to tell you, God has a great walk, a wonderful walk for all of you as we walk together at fellowship and as we put our commitment on God's commitment. So Father, we thank you for this time. We ask all these things in Jesus' name, and everybody said at all services, at all places, amen. Thank you for listening, and thanks to all who give so generously to this ministry. It's because of you that we can continue this show and equip people with the hope of heaven. You can click the link in the description to support the show or visit edyoung.com. There you can also be resourced with bonus content for free, including a daily devotional. 
We also encourage you to share the message today with those around you. Thank you again for listening. God bless.